It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Monday edition on the Guy Benson Show. I saw this poll, came out just a few days ago, in which roughly half of parents, they were asked this question, would you leave your kids behind in coach on a flight? If you got upgraded into first class, you got the upgrade, would you leave your kids behind? And about half of parents said yes. And I'm not a parent, not a parent yet, but... To me, it would be a question of how old are the kids, right? If the kids are old enough to handle themselves and they don't need constant adult supervision, absolutely, I would ditch them and coach and be up in first class. More of anything, more of everything. It's a Seinfeld episode. In that case, Elaine was left in coach, but I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think if it was a little kid, I mean, what's your option? Is going to like stick a four-year-old or something next to a stranger? Probably not. Producer Christine? Are you a yes or a no on this? If you got upgraded with Megan and you're on the flight and Megan didn't make the upgrade list, are you just like, sayonara, girl, I'll see you in the terminal when we're done here? You know what? I I, I thought about this for a while because, you know, above everything else, besides being the best booker there is and producer extraordinaire, an amazing friend to everybody around me, (laughs) um, a wonderful wife, I am a mother first. And I think I speak for all moms when I say, of course I would go to first class if I got upgraded. Megan will be fine. She'll meet some lovely people in coach. Uh, what's the, the saying from one of those movies? There's more of a sense of a community back there. And I think she would be completely fine. Um, a little pat on the head. Good luck, Megan. Mommy's going to be up here. The mama's juice is free. Exactly. I'll see you when we land. I mean, but Megan is also, what, nine years old now? So she, I think, is of an age where it's okay. Now, she can't technically fly on her own without a bunch of paperwork. She would be an unaccompanied minor. So there might be people who could judge you on the flight being like, wait, that's your mom. Where is she going? But Megan, in my mind, you are the one who needs supervision, not Megan. Megan would be fine. Cookie would be the one more likely to need the influence of Megan to restrain perhaps some of your excess in flight. Is that an exaggeration? Because I'm not sure it is. It's not. Unfortunately, my husband said this weekend, we're only a few years away from Megan giving me advice, saying, Mom, calm down. Like, chill. It's okay. Oh, no. As soon as she gets her permit to drive, she's going to be your DD. You're like, oh, I got a built-in designated driver. You're going to force her to go to college within driving distance of Eyesore Lane so that she can come and pick you up over at the neighborhood bar, pour you into the back seat whenever necessary. I think that's going to be a big, uh, a big plus, a feature of being a mother for you. 
And that's what, only seven, seven years away, if I recall correctly, in New Jersey. So you're fully on board. At what age would you not? Right? At what age would you feel too guilty leaving her on her own? Well, I mean, Six? this is, no, this is the line right here. I don't think any younger I would leave her in coach. But I think we're crossing, I don't know, I would say like nine, ten. If you have a mature kid, it really depends upon your kid. I have a question for kid. you. Not yeah. that you would ever be in coach, but just say you were in coach. I'm in coach all the time. Oh, Really? I'm usually in coach. Oh, yeah. I get upgraded sometimes. I will pay occasionally, especially internationally, if I need to get some sleep for a red-eye flight. But most flights, I'm absolutely in coach. Okay. So you are in a row of three with a child, a parent, and then yourself. The flight attendant comes over to the parent and says, ma'am, sir, you've been upgraded. So that parent leaves. Are you annoyed that you're now stuck with the kid by yourself? Yes, probably. Would you say something? Um, I guess it depends on how disruptive the kid was being. Because what are you supposed to do at that point? Right? Pretty- the kid starts melting down. Like, well, you know, and the, the fastened seatbelt sign is on. Or they're, you know, freaking out or worried or maybe they're a nervous flyer. I think you really, really have to know your kid very well to make that call as a parent. I don't think it's just like an automatic, you know, see you later decision. Now, have I left my husband and coach when I've been upgraded from time to time? Yes, I have. That has happened. Now, I don't do it on purpose, right? I'm not like, oh, let me force him into economy class and I'm going to go live it up elsewhere. But sometimes these things just happen. I will occasionally give up an upgrade to someone else. I've given it to a service member from time to time. I've given it to my mom once or twice. But generally, those precious upgrades, especially on a long flight, oh, that's like, that's what you put in all the miles for. That's why you get, you know, all the loyalty points, It's for those exciting moments where they call your name right before boarding to give you that new printed boarding pass with the new seat assignment. Oh, it's great. By the way, before we run out of time here, Christine, Halloween was yesterday on a Sunday. What was your schedule yesterday? Was someone home to give candy to kids while someone else accompanied Megan for her trick-or-treating? Or did you all go trick-or-treating and if kids came to your house... While you guys were gone, tough luck for them, no candy. What was your plan? So don't forget, I had a party yesterday, a Halloween party. So that started around 1 o'clock, I think, until about 4.30. And honestly, during— It was the pregame. Yeah, yes. There was pizza. There was wine. There was sangria. There was beer. Did I mention the wine? There There was a lot of stuff happening for the adults. And then the kids were just playing around in their costumes and running around. It was It was fun. Then about 4.30, we all decided to, you know, start going trick-or-treating. I have to say, we just left a, a, a huge bowl of candy, and I had Megan draw a picture, and it said, uh, take two or I'll haunt you, meaning don't take more. Right. So we left that out there, and I, that, that lasted through the night. We didn't have a ton of trick-or-treaters, and I have to say it was very disappointing. Not a lot of people answered their door yesterday. So, no. you know, we would go three, four doors doors before somebody would answer. And the kids were kind of getting annoyed. So after about an hour and a half, they all were done. They said, can we just go back home? I said, sure. So more wine was to be had. Oh, so you had a post-game show as well, of sounds course, like. You had a pre-game party and the post-game show. Well, and then don't forget the, the walking. There was, uh, we were happy while we are walking. Oh, were you drinking while I you were not saying. I'm not saying that. I, I did not say that. Do they not have an open container law? And I don't. I should know the laws. I should. I should know I these laws. Lane, you, I, I'm, I will give you a spoiler alert. You are not allowed to do that. I, oh. Unless you're like in New Orleans on Bourbon Street or something. It's That's not a thing in your neighborhood, Christine. Huh. So 
and I didn't do it. A little bit of a of a scoff law last night. This boozy, boozy Christine was just sloshing around the neighborhood with with Megan, who was just trying to get some candy. So what we did was we set up shop in our driveway outside, and our neighbors on both sides of us came and pulled up chairs, like lawn chairs or porch furniture, and we just sat there. We had a few drinks. We ordered in dinner, so we actually kind of had our dinner out there. We had three different buckets of candy, so one for each house, basically, and the kids would come through, and they would hit boom, boom, boom in like 10 seconds. They would get as much candy as they wanted and then move along. It was a very efficient thing for the children. And it was pretty busy. Adam is big into getting exact numbers. So he went back and was looking at our cameras and our security system and counted exactly the number of trick-or-treaters that we got. And it was more than I thought. We had, if I'm remembering correctly, we had 57 trick-or-treaters last night, which is a lot. And then at one point, he and I were going in to like finish up dinner and watch a little of the baseball game. And we had a bunch of leftover candy because it was just way too much was purchased. So we put out the bowl with a variety. We had little mini Snickers. We had little mini uh, Reese's Pieces, peanut butter cups. We had little mini, what is it, Mr. Good Bar? What is that one called? Something like that. One or two other options, Hershey's. And we did not have a sign. There was no sign that said only take one or only take two. We just put it out there. And then at the end of the night, a group of kids, probably like tweeners, like 11 or 12, they rolled up, saw the totally undefended bowl and just cleared us out. And I wasn't really mad about it because what were you going to do with all that candy? Like there's more than enough candy. I don't really have a candy sweet tooth to begin with. So Adam was a little peeved at these kids. I'm like, what? You know, they're 11. And there's a whole bowl of candy that's just sitting there. And there's no rule that's been stipulated. Maybe it's not the best look ever, but I, I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. Thoughts on those ethics, Christine? No, I, I think you're right. I, I, you're leaving it out there and you're not giving rules. It's going to go. It's just the way it is. And like you said, you're not a sweet person at all. So nope. Nope. Um, you don't. Wait, did you give out Hershey Kisses? Just like a single Hershey Kiss? No, they were like little um, Hershey bars. Oh, okay. Like See, just little chocolate bars, like the milk chocolate. See, uh, our home, we gave out the, we had the Haribo uh, variety pack. Oh, gummy bears. Yeah. Oh, everything though. There was all different Haribos. It was okay. a success. No, that, that does sound good. And I know we're not the house with the full size, which is what everyone was excited about. When I was a kid, you figured out which houses would give out the full size candy bars. There was one house that was like up the hill from us that would give out king size Snickers. And that was a must go. I mean, that's just a flex. That's a flex. If that's what you're doing, like that is extremely impressive. The kids overall were nice. You had some very cute costumes. You had some homemade costumes. You had the store-bought costumes. You had a lot of kids who were extremely shy, did not want to say a word, did not want to say trick or treat, did not want to look at you, barely would say thank you. And the parents were like forcing them to say these things. Yep. They just wanted their candy in their little bag and move on. And so, to me, I don't really know what what the fun of that would be. I like saying trick-or-treat. I liked having very minimal but quick interactions with the homeowners. You wouldn't want to have these extended dialogues. Oh, what are you? And then they start asking more questions. No, let's get it and move along. But having some eye contact and a basic trick-or-treat and thank you, I don't think that's too much to ask. 
in my opinion. You're 100% right. And I have to say, the group I was with, the same thing. We were All the moms are screaming, say thank you, say trick or treat, turn around, go back, look them in the eye, say thank you. (laughs) You know, because especially by Megan's age, they should have basic manners. They should know. They should know. And it's a good way to teach them. But I have to say, we saw so many kids. They wouldn't say a word. They wouldn't even look yeah, at just, you. Yeah, just mute. I went, I'm, I'm here as a mute. Maybe they're here as a mime. They're going out trick-or-treating as a mime, although that would be very oh, triggering for you know, producer Christine. She got mugged and robbed by a mime in France. That's a real thing that happened. The one thing that made us all laugh, so we're sitting out there. I had a long drink in hand, and we're hanging out. It's a beautiful fall night. It's getting darker and darker, and it's toward the end of the night. So at this point, it is dark, and... The house right across from us really does it up big with all the costumes and all the decorations. And they have a little creepy girl on a swing who giggles like it is creepy. And it's all lit up. So all the kids want to go there. Towards the end of the night, you heard a mother shouting at her kid. She's I didn't hear the first part. She's like, if you do that, I am confiscating all of your candy. I'm like, all right, we've we've come to the end of the evening and we have a parent at the end of her rope and. I was like, well, maybe that's something that we have to look forward to down the line. Threats. Threatening your kid. I feel like Megan isn't really one who needs too many threats. No, Megan actually went upstairs and divvied up her candy and gave me all the chocolate right away. She put it back in a bag and said, here, Mommy, this is your stash. She's just a jewel. She's she's just just a complete gem. That was my favorite part, by the way, getting back and then taking inventory all over the floor of the living room. And the parents would decide how much you were allowed to eat. And I never really wanted to eat that much of it anyway. So I was a pretty easy kid. Not a big Halloween guy in general. But now we're in November. It is Thanksgiving month. It is go time. It is my favorite holiday coming up this month. And we do not look past a Thanksgiving at the Guy Benson Show. Even with Christmas coming, we don't look past a Thanksgiving. We got to go. Back here tomorrow, Election Day in Virginia. Full coverage tomorrow and the next day of all things related to Virginia on The Guy Benson Show. Back here, same time, same place. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening. Just about an hour away from the polls closing in Virginia, the most watched race in the country tonight, obviously. It's the Guy Benson Show. We are glad to have you here. Last night, we mentioned this on the program yesterday, I decided to go to the very last Yunkin rally of the campaign. It was in Loudoun County, ground zero for a lot of the education wars for all sorts of different reasons in the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's a biden Plus 25 county. He won it by 25 points a year ago. And the Yunkin people are hopeful, seemingly confident, that it will be much more competitive today. And we'll know soon enough. But I've been covering the race sort of from afar, following it closely. We've had Yunkin on the show multiple times. I just decided to go see the energy for myself. And it was... Energetic and very well attended for a governor rally that started, by the way, when 
Youngkin actually showed up after 10 p.m. I would say there were probably 1,500, maybe 2,000 people there. Took forever to get in through these winding roads. Cars stretched in both directions to the entrance of the venue for you know up to a mile. A little chilly, but the crowd was uh, packed in there and pretty rowdy. And I thought it was very interesting to hear Yunkin's stump speech, which seemed almost designed to speak to different types of voters, where you'd have Trump voters who were hearing certain things and loving what they're hearing. Like, okay, this is this is our guy. He's on our side. Then more moderate or maybe even slightly left-leaning voters saying, okay, this is a different kind of Republican. I'm not turned off by this. And then there were a few references, a few turns of phrases that to me sounded directly targeted at non-Trumpy Republicans or center-right people. And he hit on state and local issues almost exclusively. And we played some of the audio of his education remarks at the top of the show. You can go back and listen to that segment on the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. I mean, it was a very confident bunch. I will say that. Talking to some of the campaign officials, including some top officials, they were not giddy. They were not counting chickens, but they were very optimistic, I would say. And the candidate himself was predicting – Not just a victory for his campaign, but a Republican sweep at the top of the ticket in other statewide races and also some down ballot races as well. He said as much, right? This wasn't off the record. He said it on the microphone. Some of that's pumping up the crowd because, you know, the the whole path to victory for Yunkin today is a big turnout among Republican and conservative voters and independents who are breaking his way. Like that's what he needs. And you want to give people a big shot in the arm of morale and let's go do this and a seriousness of purpose and all of that on election eve. And that's what he did. So it was a bit of a drive. I live not terribly close to Loudoun County. So 45 minutes to an hour each way out past Dulles Airport, if you've ever been there. And I went with my cousin who's interested in politics. We also brought along Quiet Wyatt who had expressed some interest in joining and just sort of uh, seeing it for himself as well. One of my colleagues at townhall.com, Spencer Brown, he ended up carpooling back to Northern Virginia with us uh, after the rally. So we had a good little crew. And producer Christine was shocked to learn that Wyatt was coming with, and she is concerned that I am a bad influence because I kept him out so late because the rally started late and then we had to drive back the better part of an hour So it was a post-midnight evening for Wyatt, which is very rare for Quiet Wyatt. He's usually in bed with his warm milk by 6 p.m. sharp. All right, Brett Bayer comes on, and it's, you know, that's like late-night TV for him. But past midnight, it was a lot. And I will admit that I did feed him bourbon, blondies. Not actual bourbon, but my friend Carolyn makes these amazing blondies, like brownies, but Bourbon infused. Oh, they are dangerous. They're so good. In fact, I've been trying to give them away or else I know I will eat them. I don't have a baked good sweet tooth, but these are especially delicious. So anyone who comes close to my house, I'm like, would you like one of these blondies? Please eat them. All right, Curious Christine, you are very intrigued 
about this Guy Benson show field trip, D.C. edition. And we did see a car in front of us at one point driving a little uh, erratically, a little swerving. We said, are those jersey plates? Producer Christine uh, slosh her way down (laughs) 95. And no, it was not. It was, in fact, a Virginia plate. Uh, So you have some questions about last night. And so we figured we would let you go ahead and ask them. Now, we all... (laughs) I can't believe you guys all hung out last night. This is very funny. So let me let me let me paint a picture here. So Guy Benson is driving. That's right. Uh, uh, and then you have your cousin, right? Yep. And, and then he's in the front seat. We had Quiet Wyatt in the <laughs> back, and I was thinking about bringing a little Ziploc bag of you know candies or or something just for his good behavior. I'd give him you know every few minutes. I'd give him a little bourbon blondie to the back seat. I feel like if I was in that back seat, like you would have Wyatt do like roadie checks on me like <laughs> check her cup <laughs> is there wine in no, there he was he was very quiet as you might uh, imagine right was, this was not a constant are we there yet that's not what we had well not even that um like were you guys rocking out to jams like what what does a car ride entail with you two i can't even imagine like are you just like strictly talking politics and poll numbers and what why it read in the wall street journal that morning well so my cousin is a huge political nerd as well. So there was a lot of political nerdery that was happening. But once we got close to the venue and we were just waiting in this long line of cars, then things sort of shifted. We put on some music, put on a little that Coldplay uh, BTS song that we talked about last week on the show. We listened to that a few times. Then as we got closer to the fairgrounds, you could see the bright lights. Then you could start to hear the music that they were playing. There were some local officials who were speaking, so we rolled down the windows, listened to some of that. We finally parked by, what was it, the Cow Barn, which was sort of perfect, and we walked in, and I was getting settled, and I looked over, and who did I see? Hark! It was Charlie Hurt. So I went over and chatted with Charlie. Some campaign officials recognized us and came over and and said hi and were giving us some stuff off the record, and then I went back and just sort of hung out. I was not doing a lot of whooping or clapping or cheering. I was really there to observe. I filmed and posted some of the images on my Twitter feed. I understand Fox News Channel put some of it on the air earlier today. It got a huge amount of engagement on social. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people viewed these videos. So, you know, I'm I'm unabashedly supporting Glenn Young, and I have not been at all mysterious about that, but I also wasn't there to, like, cheer him on in particular, I wanted to see it and get uh, just, you know, a feel for things. Um, well, first of all, by the way, Charlie Hurt. Now, that's a that's a good time. He's fun. Uh, he is. Let me. Can you what uh, attire was white? How much Fox News attire? Let's put it that way. Was quiet Wyatt wearing? Wyatt, I don't think you were wearing any. No, Christine, I was I was, you know, in campaign mode. I was trying to disguise myself with the people and I wanted to get you got to get a sense of what was going on. And so I was just wearing a vest. I was wearing a vest. That was my next question. Was there a vest? By the way, I just have to say, just to interrupt, I just saw something out of the corner of my eye in the studio and I looked and there's this little tiny narrow window of glass in the door to the studio and with a big Cheshire cat grin and a thumb up was none other than Charlie Hurt. He must have had his ears burning. He knew we were talking about him. In any case, yes, Wyatt was absolutely decked out in the vest, as was Glenn Youngkin, of course, because he finally arrived on the campaign bus 
And they started playing, what was it, Thunderstruck, I think. And people started waving their signs and cheering and the bus is arriving. And the bus driver is having the time of his life. This bus driver is honking. Like, uh, uh, uh. It's all on the video that I posted at Guy P. Benson last night. And the music's blaring and people are cheering. And then out comes Glenn Youngkin in the red vest. Big cheer. He does a little lap around the stage, giving high fives to folks. And then up on stage he went to even louder cheers. He comes out to Spirit in the Sky, the old Paul Harvey theme song. And that is when he launched into the stump speech. I made one prediction about the stump speech because he says it every time. I said, I, I think I feel confident that Glenn Youngkin is going to say this is not a campaign. It's a movement. And in fact, he did. And I looked over at Wyatt and Wyatt had a little impish grin because we all knew it was coming. Go on, Christine. I can't with this. Um, did, Are how you many jealous? How, yes. Very jealous. How many people uh, did White have to fight off when they realized Guy Benson was at the rally? The, I didn't have to do that, but I'm sure if you were here, you would have fought off anyone. Well, listen, let's be honest. If I was there, you would have been speaking to Glenn Youngkin face to face, Guy Benson. You know that. Oh, yeah. You would have you would have somehow ended up on the bus. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden, like, you know, Cookie is on the bus. I did like at the end of the rally, they have had people as they've driven around on this bus tour, the final, what, week or two of the campaign, they have Sharpies, silver Sharpies, and they're letting people sign the bus wherever he goes. So people were signing the bus. They were playing Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow, famously Bill Clinton's theme song in the 1992 campaign. And I like reclaiming that song away from the Clintons because it's a great Fleetwood Mac song. It is also a great song for a campaign in general. Of course, he doesn't want anyone stopping thinking about tomorrow because in that case, tomorrow was Election Day. And as I mentioned, he's counting on a big, big GOP independent pro-Yunkin turnout today to overcome the lead that Democrats have built. And the early returns from Northern Virginia in particular and elsewhere are going to look pro-McAuliffe. And the question is going to be how pro McAuliffe, right? What are those margins? And then what does the turnout look like today? Can it swamp and overcome what the Dems have built? And based on what the campaign was signaling to me and telling me explicitly, they feel confident that that is what is going to happen. And I hope that they're right. I'll believe it when I see it. And as I said today in my analysis at townhall.com, my prediction is – Yunkin wins by a point to three points. I think I put a 50% likelihood on that. I put a 20% likelihood that he wins bigger than that, so three plus, and a 30% likelihood that Terry McAuliffe wins because this is still a blue place that Joe Biden won by 10 points. That is a lot of ground to make up, even with a very impressive effort and candidate gaining eight or nine points, I think would say something about the national environment for sure. But it wouldn't quite be enough to pull out the victory tonight, and we'll know very soon. Last question, Christine. Just describe the ride home. Now, was poor White so tired that he fell asleep, or was he just so amped that he was up late? Were you guys just like rocking out, you know, saying, yeah, look at these polls. We got this. High-fiving each other. No, it was was neither of those things. It was a calm— professional ride home. 
he and my colleague from town hall split an Uber into the district. I dropped my cousin off at his house in Virginia, and uh, they actually came over to the house briefly, saw Roy, the dog, and then shipped out for the evening. And then he went home and went to bed, and you were, what, asleep by maybe 1230? Guy, let's be honest. That wasn't the evening. That was early morning, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I'm glad that we did it. It was a good experience. We've talked so much about the race. It's right in my backyard, right, this rally. Yes, it's a 45 or 50-minute drive, but to me it was worth it. Did you feel like it was worth it, Wyatt? Totally, 100%. All right, there you go. Well, tomorrow the analysis here on the show will be what happened, how it happened, and what it means. Am I nervous? Is my stomach in knots? Oh, yes. We're an hour away from polls closing, and then it's like into the hands of God. We'll see what happens. Back here tomorrow for all of it on The Guy Benson Show from New York City. We'll talk to you then. Swanson to first. Home stretch on the Guy Benson show. That was the call from Joe Buck, our Fox cousin. As the Atlanta Braves won the World Series, it was seven to nothing last night in game six. They win the series four games to two, and they have their first championship since 1995. They won in Houston, which is another wonderful element of all of this. I was rooting for the Braves for reasons that I've explained a few different times, one of which is they were so good to me when I was down there at Extra in Atlanta, our affiliate, our great affiliate down in Atlanta. They invited me to attend two Braves games because They're owned by the same broadcasting company that is the flagship station on the sports side of Braves baseball. So they said, you want to go to a game? Yeah. So I went to one game and I was in a suite. Another game I was down right at field level in like the best seats in the house. They asked me to throw out the first pitch. I would not shut up about that for a week on this show. Would you? Honestly, in fairness, would you? And I was so nervous about that, but I did not bounce it. The Braves weren't playing great leading into that game. It was St. Louis, that series, and they won both games that I was at. And I'm just looking forward to them mailing me my World Series ring because many people are saying that I really helped turn this around is what happened here. Uh, But in all seriousness, to everyone at Extra and our audience in Atlanta and our sister stations down there and Dickey Broadcasting, I mean, congratulations. It is A dream come true. I'm a Yankee fan. When I was a kid, the Yankees beat the Braves twice in the World Series. I know how much joy a championship can bring, especially to a long-suffering fan. So congrats to the Braves and everyone in Braves Nation down in the Southeast and really across the country. They do have a fan base. And Houston, and with all due respect to our listeners in Texas and in Houston, I just can't root for them. To the point that I almost was rooting for Boston as a Yankee fan, over Houston because of that cheating scandal. And just the arrogance of some of those players, I just, you love to see them fail. And they failed at home. They lost to the Braves. 
And perhaps the sweetest part of it was the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Mr. What Manfred, had to hand this trophy to the franchise, the Atlanta Braves, that he screwed over with his politicized, ignorant, panicked, embarrassing decision to yank the All-Star game out of Atlanta for political reasons. Based on a bunch of smears and misinformation and half-truths and pressure campaigns from woke leftists. Based on the law that they passed and Governor Kemp signed on elections in that state. And he got all this pressure and he said, okay, we're going to pull up our stakes and sorry, Atlanta, we're out. And we railed against that decision on this show with specific details about how hypocritical Major League Baseball was being. Set aside all the inaccurate information that they bought into, the weakness. That's what this was. I don't know if the commissioner himself is some big leftist Democrat, but what he is is weak and scared, and he caved. He caved to that mob, and it was pitiful And we got into all the hypocrisy about how they are, you know, set up here in New York. Up in Cooperstown, there's the Hall of Fame. New York had much more, quote unquote, restrictive voting laws on the books. Didn't matter. The details didn't matter. They decided to punish Atlanta, punish the Braves, punish those fans, punish the city, punish the state, because that's what liberal Democrats wanted them to do. And they worked their anger and outrage machine the way that they always do. And as is too often the case, big corporations or institutions, they just flop and they surrender. And that's what Major League Baseball did. Pathetic. That was the midsummer classic. The fall classic, the World Series, they could not take away from Atlanta. The Braves got three home games. They won two of them. They had a really strong record in the playoffs, actually. I think they were 7-1 and one at home over the course of the playoffs. So even if the woke mob wanted them to, they couldn't take that away from the Braves and they could not take away the World Series that they won in the exact same season that MLB pulled that BS. Oh, when Governor Kemp was on this show recently, he called that poetic justice. Well, poetic justice has come full circle now and it has ended, I would say, with justice being served. Houston losing, Atlanta winning, and the commissioner being forced to hand that trophy over to that organization after what he pulled months ago. Perfect. They earned it. They forced his hand. He had no choice. He embarrassed himself. He embarrassed the sport. Major League Baseball disgraced itself with that decision that they made, but somehow the Braves figured out a way to make it right. And they did so by winning the World Series in six games. Again, the final score last night in Houston, Texas, Atlanta seven, Astros nothing. And I believe there is now a barbecue bet that needs to be paid off between the governors because we have had Kemp and Abbott on the show and asked them about this. And Abbott was saying there was some sort of barbecue related bet. So with all respect to Governor Abbott, it's time, I think, for him to pay up if he hasn't already. Dan, did you watch the series? Were you also rooting for Atlanta? 
Yes, just like you, as a Yankee fan, I do not like the Astros at all. Plus, I love this Braves team. they got a bunch of great young guys. Yeah, they're likable. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch. Austin Riley, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies. And I was rooting for the Braves, and you know they deserved it, and I was so happy to see and it happen. And also the collective freakout from the heavily left-leaning sports media, because they can't help themselves either, about the tomahawk chop, and oh, this is so awful, look at this rotten tradition, and you know, a thousand think pieces about how they should banish whatever, and the Braves fans and the Braves organization were like, no, you have jerked us around enough this year, absolutely not, and they just tomahawk chopped their way to a World Series championship. Oh, that's good stuff. And to have that happen, have that sort of like comeuppance and humiliation, that awkward look on the face of the commissioner, all of this happening with the Braves winning the World Series, some sort of like cosmic vindication for Atlanta on the same night that the Democrats' world was falling apart in Virginia and New Jersey and elsewhere, uh, it's a good night. I was up till 3, 3.30 in the morning doing my analysis, my writing. I was talking to Chris Christie at like 2 in the morning. I'm like, what is, what is my life right now? But it was all worth it. And it was just icing on the cake for the Braves to do what they did. And a little more than that, again, to all of our listeners, 106.3 Extra in Atlanta. Savor it. You guys deserve it. You earned it. Back here on the Guy Benson Show, again from New York. Tomorrow, same time, same place. See you tonight on Gutfeld. In the 11 p.m. hour, Fox News Channel, I'll be on the panel. Also, a few hours prior in the 7 p.m. hour Eastern, I'll be joining Kennedy in studio. So a busy evening ahead again. Talk to you tomorrow here on the radio. Have a great night. Home stretch on Friday Eve. It's the Guy Benson Show. Thanks for tuning in. A reminder, as always, that our podcast is accessible every single day, free of charge, on demand, after the show. So you should listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, but then there's the podcast. And it's funny, I sometimes talk to younger listeners, and they just refer to the show as a podcast. I love your podcast. Thank you. It is a nationally syndicated radio show that becomes a podcast, but the youths, they consume a lot of this content Via podcast. I have no problem with that. GuyBensonShow.com. We just love people listening live, especially on our affiliates. GuyBensonShow.com for all of that information. Well, here on the home stretch, producer Christine had floated this idea months ago. In fact, she was so committed to one of her schemes that she invited, if you recall, devotees may recall, she invited a real estate agent to come to her house to try to put a valuation on it and get a sense of how much money they could make if they sold the house. Bobby, her husband, discovered that this was happening on the show. He was listening to the home stretch and learned of this scheme that way. And he came in with a big hard no on that one. However, it appears that ultimately Cookie has gotten her way on this one. And the house is on the market or going on the market? What Realtor comes on Saturday, and then we take it from there. But hopefully, maybe even by next week, it'll, it'll be on the market. I mean, that's a very fast turnaround. You, even, you haven't had an evaluation done or anything? You feel like you can get the house on the market within a few days? Because um, sometimes I, they want to like take a bunch of professional photos of it. They want to stage it. 
Yeah, so she she's going going to do that. Oh, I, actually, I'm literally texting with her right now because um, there's another house on our street going on the market. I think tomorrow, and ours blows this house out of the way, so we're not worried. Would this count as a comp though? Because so that's why I would like to, this would be under ours. So I would like to get our house out of the way first. Do you have a dollar amount in your head that would make it worth? Moving, and oh, if, you, yeah. if you can't get that dollar amount, you pull the plug, and Correct. the house is. Int- so it's not that you are eager to move or that you want to move out of the house. This is just a money play. Uh, no, I, I would like to. So I'm sure a lot of people feel this way and can relate. When Bobby and I bought this house, and it's coming up on ten years, uh, this was supposed to be our starter home that we were not going to stay in past five years, and we are coming up on ten. So that didn't work out as planned. Right. We were never fully committed to this home. It's a it's a nice house, great backyard, you know, amazing commute. And we were just never committed to this house. This wasn't going to be our forever house. forever home. And uh, once Bobby started looking at comps, and uh, we just had a house go for on our street for almost like seven hundred thousand, and that just raised comps. You know, mm-hmm. did really well. So. Bobby started looking around. We both started talking to the real estate agent and he said, you know what? This is, yes, let's do it. Let's go. Where are you going to live? So we're actually going to live in an apartment for uh, maybe one to two years. And when I say apartment- For years? Yeah, one to two years. Why? Like, why, what's the thought process there? So the thought process, and my when I say apartment, this wait until I show you the pictures. It is like a resort- the pool alone looks like a Vegas resort, has cabanas that you can literally go hang out in. Are you moving to Florida, Christine? We're not moving to Florida. Sorry, Ron. Not yet. But I'll find you, Ron. I'll find you. Are you staying in your same town? We're staying in our same town. Megan will be going to the same school. She was a Catholic school. She'll be going to the same school. Got it. Uh, this place is right across the street from the train station. So uh, that'll be good. But our thought process is let's get this. Let's sell the house. Uh, let's take the money, invest it wisely. We actually might be going in on another house with our in-laws uh, up on Cape Cod for uh, a vacation home. An investment property. Correct. Yeah, we will be like Airbnb being it and- Renting it out. Yes, correct. Okay. Correct. Um, and then when uh, Judgey this Joyce- is, This is the first part of the plan, by the way, that I'm deeply concerned about. What? Oh, you're buying property in Cape Cod. Yes, I know. I said that. I was like, oh my gosh, you got because our in laws, they've been doing this already. So this would be the second home that they would do. And they were very successful in the first one. So we're ready to, we never had the cash, you know, to, to do it. Now, well, we Cape Cod is a relatively big place. Hopefully, you're sort of, I know where you live. You do. I know. That was a strategic error <laughs> on my part for the Benson Retreat 2019 up in Cape Cod. Anyway, go on. So you're going to live in an apartment. We're going to live in an apartment for one to two years and then uh, two bedroom, three, three bedroom or two bedroom, two full bathroom. So Megan gets her own bathroom and then like they're on each room is an ensuite. So it has full walk in closets. Do you have you thought about because you are, let's face it, not a quiet human being when you're in a single family home, you can kind of make a racket and do all of your nonsense and it's kind of okay. When you're in an apartment and your walls are up against someone else's walls, I think that some of your nonsense, Christine, it's going to have to like put the volume knob down just a little bit on on cookiness. So I did live in an apartment with my husband before we bought this home. And listen, I know the drill. When the person below me, when I hear like the broom hitting, 
um, I know to be quiet. Oh, they're going to love you. I know. I, I, I get it. I know when to be when they when I hear the stomping or the knocking. It's like enough. It's, it's enough. And it's before, enough. Before the police get called. I feel like I'll again get, on you. I feel like I'll get that over. Me- Megan will be like, Mom, be quiet. Yes. There's inside other, voice. There's other people here. Inside voice. So one to two years from now, then what? Then uh, Judge Joyce will be selling her home, my mother. And we will be combining and we will either build or we will buy a house with her. So why not do that sooner? So why not just say... We want to go apartment living for a little bit. You want to. We do. We really do. My husband and I are usually not on the same page. We went all day Saturday. Well, that sounded bad. <laughs> not that we're not on the same page. Okay, we're really sometimes not on the same That's page. That's correct. Yeah. That is correct. This You, you don't have to like spin that. I yeah. think the audience is aware. We do love each other. I promise. That's different. We, we get along very well. That's different. For most of the time. Uh, <laughs> but we just fell in love with the idea of, you know, we both work in the city. We're both busy. We're both back in the city now and not dealing with lawn and shoveling and, you know, maintenance on a house in northern Jersey that's older we just we just want a break from it, and we never thought we would get our daughter on board. Not that she has a say, but she does have a say, and she loved the idea. My husband loved the idea, and we we just are really excited about it. Because my thinking would be the market is relatively hot, right? Correct. You're excited about what you might fetch for your house in yep. terms of the dollar amount. If that's somewhat similarly true for Judgy Joyce, if you both sell around the same time, both make a profit, then combine those resources to get the forever home with the mother-in-law, or in your case, the mother suite, on suite or whatever, like that would seem to be a reasonable timeline. But I guess, does she also want the, the cushion of a year or two to sort she, of- She wants, yeah, because don't forget, like that's, not that that's it for her, but you know- her, well, it'd be a huge lifestyle change for her, too. Correct. And don't forget, if we did all of this and then bought now, we're now just buying at a higher price another house. That may be the case, though, a Even year or two a from year now. Or two? I mean, it could get hotter. You never know. So we've, we've thought about that. And also, if the time came and she couldn't live alone, we will just move her into this apartment building and get her, you know, an apartment. Oh, into the same building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. Well, this is quite the plunge, would this mean that some of your other ridiculous schemes, like the car scheme, the horse scheme, those others, have they been backburnered now? So the car scheme, it's not, okay, these are not schemes, you guys. These are just ideas, plans, mm-hmm. they're not schemes. The car scheme, actually, I did, my one of my best friend's husband is a car dealer. So I did call him about this, and he's like, I actually love your idea, but the problem of, is- Of course he would. Did you start crying? Because that's what you said, you would cry. To manipulate. Oh, you're meaning, oh, that's what Bob, Bobby goes. Of course he thought it was a good idea. I didn't even think of it. I just thought he thought my idea was good. No. Oh, you think he was thinking like this was going to benefit him? Yes. Well, I didn't even think that. Oh. Oh, cookie. So he loved it. He thought it was a good idea. He did say to me, what? <laughs> of course. Like, hey, uh, I'm thinking about this idea that might involve you, Christine, Getting a lot of money. Do you like it? Why? Yes, I do. I You're a genius. What a brilliant scheme. <laughs> I swear I did not even think about it that way. So stay tuned. So much stay to learn. Stay tuned. So much could possibly going on. Or next week I could tell you, yeah, none of this happened. It all fell apart. Yeah, we're staying. The valuation didn't work out. 
It's stressful. Moving, selling, all of it is stressful. But if it all works out well, then it's We're very- not moving anything. We're not taking anything with us but our clothes and some of our stuff. Like no furniture, no nothing. We're getting, we're going to sell it all. We want, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Question. If someone decided that they wanted to move to Eyesore Lane and buy your house, does the house come with all of your decorations? Because you're not going to be able to bring all those decorations. You're going to be in a tiny little apartment compared to a huge house. There's going to be no room for disgusting blow up inflatable things because you don't have a yard. What happens to all of that tackiness? I mean, friends and family this year are going to have a wonderful Christmas. Are you going to be giving them used inflatables? I'm not giving anything away. They're going to buy it from me. Oh. <laughs> Got to make the money spirit. here. Come That's on. the spirit. Merry Christmas. This, that'll be $80. All right. Well, you'll have to keep us updated because this is a uh, a process for sure. Oh, this is going to spawn so many ridiculous stories and home stretches. So much to look forward to here on The Guy Benson Show, including our Friday edition tomorrow. Back here, same time, same place. Have a great night. It is The Guy Benson Show. Happy Friday. So... We heard a story earlier on the phone call planning the show from producer Christine about her daughter, Megan, who is wise beyond her years. It's kind of unlike her mother, actually. She looks exactly like her mother, and that's where the similarities seem to end. Christine, please tell us what your daughter did today. I'm so proud of her. So I don't know if everybody knows this, but Christmas music has officially begun on the radio. So I was driving Megan to school today and I turned on the radio and I hear Holly Jolly Christmas and I literally scream. I am so excited. So I'm driving, driving. I blast it. I'm looking in the rearview mirror and she is glaring at me like I have two heads and I'm it's the craziest thing she's ever heard or seen. So I lower and I say, Megan, Music. Like, you have to be so excited. And she's still my husband. She looked at me and said, Mommy, it is not even Thanksgiving yet. Turn yes. the Christmas music off. Yes. I couldn't Did you? believe it. She, I, I lowered it, but I was like, she's <laughs> going to want to hear this. Like, there's no nope. way. Uh, she, no, she asked me to put Kids Bop on. Good. She was, Kids she bop really for the up. win. Absolutely. It's November 5th. I don't do Christmas music until December 1st. We mention this and we fight about it every yeah. year. December 1st is when Christmas music and decorations are allowed in my book. I'm willing to concede that it's okay after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving being my favorite holiday. Skipping past Thanksgiving to me is totally unacceptable. And the fact that Megan rejected your Christmas music, your premature Christmas music, I just, her stock just keeps going up in my book, Christine. I have to say, bravo, little Megan. She's right. I don't believe it because I'm going to try it again when I pick her up because I I just, I I mean, she's going to hear Mariah Carey and nope, going to want to stay. Nope. It's too early. And like, she's made her position clear. You don't have to test her. She's already come out 
clearly against premature, too early, early onset Christmas music. Just respect the girl's wishes. She knows what she's talking about, clearly. By the way, I wanted to bring this to you as well, Christine. I got a note from a listener who, a big fan of the show, always appreciate hearing from you guys, saying, you know, I love the show and all this stuff. She just wanted to express some concern about producer Christine and our frequent discussions of Mama's Juice. And she just wanted to express that she was worried that producer Christine might actually have a problem and we shouldn't make light of it. So I just yeah, yeah, I I could could see why people would be worried. I understand. Yeah, I just want to clarify right for the record. (laughs) We play this up significantly. Christine likes her mama's juice and her cosmos, you know, like any gal. But we I would say perhaps dramatize slightly the amount that she drinks. And I feel confident saying folks at home can be rest assured that producer Christine uh is not in need of an intervention here. And so as much fun as we poke on this <laughs> front, uh, it is mostly in jest, say a kernel of truth and all that, but like it is mostly in jest. So I wanted to just reassure people who might be, among other things, just worried about the well-being of producer Christine. She's got all sorts of problems. This is actually not one of them. Thank you, I think, guy. <laughs> I think, yes, you're welcome. Do you want to expand on this uh, at all, or did I capture it? No, yes, no, I think I definitely think we played this up just a little. Let's be honest. I'm not sloshing around every single night and every single day. I don't think Bobby would put up with that, so don't you worry. It, it's yeah, all no, you'll, you'll have a few fun. glasses on the weekend, occasionally on a, on a oh, school yeah. night, but it's, it's, it's actually pretty typical. Uh, we just like to have some fun at Cookie's expense, and this is one front that allows us to do that, so... As another host likes to say, let not your heart be troubled. Now, with that said, something that is actually genuinely troubling is a story that we're going to convey to you in the next hour. We almost never do a single interview over the course of an entire hour, but our final hour today is going to entail a father and son in studio. The son, Ryan Ferguson, spent 10 years in prison, convicted of murder. He was innocent. His father was determined to get him out. The story is unbelievable. It is next on The Guy Benson Show. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.